Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, team. Have you ever played the alphabet game? You know, you're on vacation, you know, and it's getting to be a long ride, and so you play the alphabet game, and you look for the letters in the alphabet. Or, or as a youth pastor, we used to play the alphabet game where we would take a letter and we would add an adjective to it and then we'd add an animal to it and we'd start reciting this and trying to remember everything that we'd recited. It's interesting what you can do with simple tools. When I dated Nancy, I used to create acrostics of different things just to tell her how much I loved her. Her name, the day of the week, the color of clothes I was wearing. I was kind of crazy at that point. But in God's Word today, as we take a look at the King's playlist, we see something really interesting. I'm not going to read today's passage because today's passage has 176 verses. It's the 119th Psalm. D.A. Carson said of the 119th Psalm, he said that it's very interesting that the longest passage in Scripture happens to talk about how wonderful the Bible is. The interesting thing about it is it's an acrostic. Each verse had eight verses where they would take a letter of the Jewish alphabet and they would talk about the wonder of God's Word. 176 verses talking about the virtue and love of God's Word. Last week we talked about the waiting song. Today we're going to talk about the Bible song. When I wrote that down, I immediately thought this. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, Bible, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We sang that song as a kid, and that song's true. And so what I'm doing today is I'm going to take some gleanings In my quiet time, I often just kind of plow through chapter after chapter, trying to linger long enough so that I'm getting a good meal. Not a light snack, but a really good meal. But often, all I ask God to do is say, God, which verses do you want me to notice today? So I printed off Psalm 119 at the beginning of the week, and I began asking that question. God, which verses do you want me to notice today? Which verses should we highlight? I ended up with about 25. But it's interesting that the first two and a half verses, three verses of the book of Psalm 119 start by what almost seems like a beatitude. If you take a look at it, it says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. It's not an easy thing to do. But the basic idea is is that we say, God, you've already created the footsteps. You've defined them in your word, and we're going to do nothing more than just walk in them. If you've ever walked in deep snow, it's always kind of nice when somebody's already walked in the deep snow. Life has a lot of deep snow. And blessed are those who instead of having to freelance and create our own path, 
have decided to trust in God and in His path. It goes on in verse 2 and says this, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek them with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. Now, as you read through Psalm 119, it uses about 12 different ways to describe God's Word. It talks about it being His ways, talks about it being His testimony, His law, His words. But blessed are those. When my grandmother passed away, we had a family meeting, and we were eating at where every family should eat at, the Golden Corral. And I was sitting across from aunts and uncles that didn't know me well. And I said something and I made a joke. And my aunt laughed and she said, it's always good to hear something funny from the Koenigs. She numbered me among the Koenigs. What he is saying here, it's always good to hear the words of those numbered with my people. Blessed are those who keep the testimonies, who seek with their whole heart. You know, there's a disparity going on. We were warned about this disparity almost 15 years ago when an author wrote a book. He was working with, with, um, with, George, with Barna. And he wrote a book. His name was Lions. And he wrote a book called Unchristian. And I picked that book up because I always wanted to have a better idea of what's going on in society. I was surprised by the book, though, because you know what the book was about? It was about Christians. It was about the fact that sometimes people look at us and they don't see Jesus. But in this passage, he's saying, blessed are those who are people of the book. Today, I am praying that we will celebrate and be people of the book. That is what God is calling us to do more than anything. And so I've created three categories of the kind of verses that God highlighted to me as I was reading this. And the first highlight is verses that talk about the benefits of the Bible. What, what it means to us. A lot of you as children maybe even memorize this verse. I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's part of the reason we have a wanting here in the church, is to help kids store Bible verses in their heart. Um, before service, we were talking, and I, I said that one of the things that's true of me, if you listen to me, is I memorized a lot of verses in the King James Version. And occasionally, if I just quote a verse, it doesn't sound very NIV or ESV. It sounds very KJV because that's what I memorized in. But the first thing that, that God's Word does is it, it guards us from sin. It creates the guardrails to life. It helps us out. The one benefit to the Bible is that as we store it in our hearts, as we continue just the process of reading it, as we're faithful in those things, God helps us. And He guides us. You know, I think one of the things that's the hardest about reading God's Word is you want it to be relevant today. You know? Have you ever read for a couple days and you went, I don't know what this is all about. But I have found that occasionally I'll read for several days and I don't know what it's all about. But then the next day, 
my life informs the verses from the last four days. Does that make sense? Or maybe once in a while when I skip a day, you know, and I get up the next morning and I read the passage, I'm going to go, boy, I should have read that one yesterday. God's Word is a benefit because it guards us from sin. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. You know, we all want to have our people, don't we? When we're in certain situations, you want to have somebody to call. And if you've got a plumbing problem, you want a plumbing friend. And if you have, you know, a mechanical problem, you want to have, you know, a person that's a mechanic. But the one friend that we need more than anything else is available right here. We need a counselor for our lives. And it's here. This is the counsel. Years ago, I was working with a young man in, in a public high school, and I had such a good relationship with the public high school that if he was having a crisis, they would just call me up and I would do pastoral counseling right there in the counseling office. And one day he called me up. And as I was leaving, my pastor grabbed me and he says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to the school. I'm going to talk to Billy. And he goes, well, what are you going to tell Billy? Well, I'm pretty sure these are the kinds of things I would tell Billy. And he said, well, what verse is that from? And I said, well, I think that this would be the verse that would be appropriate. He said, okay, write that down on a piece of paper. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And he says, okay, now you can go back to your office. I'll drop this piece of paper by for Billy. You see, he needs God's word to be his counselor, not you today. Wow. God's word can be a counselor. For I delight in your commandments, which I love. God's word can be a delight. I, I, we, we had a Bible reading on Friday night. We read through the whole book of Acts. It was wonderful. And there were certain times that I found myself chuckling and other times that I, I just smiled because there was something in God's Word and it was like, that is a delight. God's Word is a delight. The law of your, of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. You know, God's Word is a treasure. When I was a little kid we would have etiquette classes about our Bibles. In Sunday school, before the sword drill, remember sword drills? You know, when you'd hold your Bible like this, and they'd say, John 3.16, and you'd have to find it as quick as you could. But they talked to us about how to treat our Bible. What it shouldn't be used as. They taught it that this was a treasure and I don't know about you, but I have mined many things in my life. When I was a youth pastor, we used to go on missions trips. And God laid it on my heart one year at the missions trip that as kids shared their stories about how they were doing with the relationship, that I would just pray and God, God would give me a verse to give them that day. And some of those kids have talked about that since then. I remember the verse you gave me, Pastor that treasure that you gave me. My life first was a treasure that was given by my, my pastor and my mother when I had a horrible accident. It's up in my office right above my head. It says, be still and know that I am God. I needed that treasure. Occasionally you probably should quote it to me again, right? Pastor, be still and know that he is God. It's a comfort 
When I think of your rules from old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hey, in a world that's changing and ever, never the same, isn't it good to know that this has not changed? When we went to Israel, we went to the, to the museum of the book there. And they have this, this big round dome, and inside that dome they have a scroll that's Isaiah. And they found that scroll, and it, it sent back biblical scholarship a thousand years when they found that scroll. And this is what they found. They found that the only thing that changed was the spelling of words. But the content was exactly the same. Is that encouragement to you? People are trying to say that we need to be progressive and that this changes. It can't change. Do you know why? Because the author of it can't change. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Some people are trying to say that God is progressive and that He's growing and He's changing. I don't want that God. This is my God. I take comfort because your rules are from old and I take comfort in them. Constant. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room? Be a person of the book. As I've been involved in our community at different times, as I think of those who are very involved in our community, I keep on praying, dear God, the wisdom of Solomon is here. We come into the room with something different. We can bless our community in a different way because we are people of the book. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Everybody wants to leave a legacy, right? Everybody wants to be remembered for something. But for David, as he spoke this, or Ezra, they're not sure who it was, he says, my heritage isn't what I did, it's what you do in your book. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. I don't know what kind of things you're going through. I don't know what kind of struggles you're having. But the promises of God's word are the greatest comfort. They're a safe place. They're a hiding place for us. They're an anchor. It's another word that's often used to describe them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. You know, a lot of times we don't feel like the smartest person in the room, do we? We feel like people around us have some knowledge and we're missing something. We live in a society that basically thinks if we educate people enough, if we give them enough information, they'll act better. How's that going? But God's word unfolds. Remember, it's the light for our path. And it illuminates things and it gives us understanding. Occasionally we can look at something. Uh, a group of guys in a, a men's core group has been reading through a book called Soul Keeping. And one of the big aha moments for me is when it said that our, our, our world has shifted from 
soul keeping to taking care of yourself. And when the soul is missing, taking care of yourself is nothing more than selfishness. Do you see selfishness around you? I do. I see selfishness in me. I'm sure we all do. But God's word unfolds. It's illuminating and imparts understanding. But not only is God's word of benefit, but God's word is trustworthy. Listen to what he said about God's word. He says, Forever, O Lord, your words is firmly fixed in the heavens. Nobody has ever found the 11th commandment. You know, it's not happened. God's word is firmly fixed. Not only is it firmly fixed, it says, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your command is exceedingly broad. Okay? Ever feel like you kind of got it all together, then you read God's word and say, oh, there's something else that is a part of perfection. You know the why the law was given? The law was given so people would understand their greater need for a Savior. That's why it was given. Because there was no way to live it out. You needed somebody to be there to save you from it. God's word is all-encompassing. Therefore, I consider your precepts to be right, and I hate every false way. You know, one of the things that I've been saying lately is I think that there's Kool-Aid that you can drink, and I think there's the truth. But the sieve to figure out the difference between the two of those is right here. This is the sieve. This helps us understand and make the difference. Righteous you are, O Lord, and right are your rules. We need to understand something. Um, We need to understand that the rules reflect who God is. The rules reflect what he understood. They reflect his, his priorities, his passions, and his understanding of the world that he created. And yet we sit as people here trying to talk to the one who made it all and explain to him how it works. The thing that we need to understand about God's Word is it's completely tied to who God is. And if we think that God's Word can change, then we're also saying that God can change, and that is not good. There's a a theology that started about 20 years ago, and it's open theism. and, And the biggest idea behind open theism is this, is that God doesn't know everything, and He's learning along with us. And that is scary. The last thing I need is to think that God is tapping Jesus on the shoulder and go, what are we going to do now? Boy, that's a surprise to me. I never knew they could sin that way. This one's new. What did Solomon say? Solomon said that nothing was new under the sun. And so we need to understand that God's word is a reflection of God. And because God cannot change, this cannot change. We understand it better each day, but the angers of what it is is so important. Here's the biggest bottom line to it. It speaks plainly. 
it's not symbolic. You know, because people will say that. Well, I, I, I don't think it really meant to say that. I think it's symbolizing something. Thou shalt not is pretty clear. David, as he reflected in these 22 little verses based on an acrostic of the Hebrew language, was speaking to the truths of what he understood about God's word. Some of your words is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Why? Because God is eternal, therefore his word is eternal. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but what stands? His word stands. So, what are the requests that we see in here? Some of us maybe need at times to ask these requests. I think that we need to remember that we need salvation every day from something. Maybe from the first time for our sins, but there's something that we need help with every day. So these are a list of some of the things that he included me. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. God, teach me the truth. Teach me the truth. I want to know what the truth is. He goes on and says this. Turn turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give my life and give me life in your ways. Is there any worthless things that we could turn our eyes to today? Lots of them, aren't there? There's there's this rabbit hole called the internet. Have you ever noticed that you can get in there and the next thing you know, you don't even know how you got there, right? And sometimes it's helpful. But oftentimes it's just a time waster. God is calling us to have a life of meaning. And we have a life of meaning by understanding what is meaningful. And that is defined by the Word. Save me. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. You know, I think there are certain times that we have to be just like Peter. Remember when Peter wanted to get out of the boat and he wanted to be like Jesus and he wanted to play? Can I play too? Can I, can I walk on the water too? You know? And the most important words that were heard that whole time is when he lost focus and he began to drown and he yelled, what? Save me. I think every once in a while in our lives we kind of lose focus, don't we? And we need God to refocus us. Well, we, we hear the Word of God yelling, recalculating, <laughs> recalculating, right? And God wants to save us. But He's a gentleman. You know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll sit with somebody and say, hey, I'd like to help you. I was telling Ed the way I could help him today. And he was like, oh, pastor, I don't want to bother you. I said, well, you're not bothering me because I told you I'd do it. And I think that once in a while we do that to God. Oh, God, I don't want to really bother you. But God is wanting to save us. 
And the promises are of his word is that's what he wants to do. For some of you in this room, it might be being saved for the very first time. What do you mean by that? I mean, you are dead in your sin. You need to someone to forgive your sin. And that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in his son would not perish, but have eternal life. God offers that to you. But you have to humble yourself and say, God, save me. It's just not a blanket thing. It's not like that, that, that little bit of a check we all received at the beginning of COVID where it's just like, oh, everybody's saved. You know? No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to ask for it. If you want Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you've got to ask Him to be your Savior. But if you do ask him to be your savior, because you need him to be your savior, he will forgive you. Do why do I know that? Because that's what this says. So if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I encourage you to begin it. He goes on to verse 42 and talks about, Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in you. You know, sometimes we need saved just simply because there's a situation, and you know what? I am finding that those people who are opposed to us are meaner than they used to be. There was a kind way that we used to talk about things. Now everybody that disagrees with us thinks we're dumb. They might not say it, but in their voice they're saying, well, if you understood things more clearly, you would know that you're dumb. But we need God to give us an answer. You know what? I think that sometimes in your spirit you just sense something. Okay? That's the Holy Spirit working in you. But the thing that's really cool is God doesn't just live at that feeling level of our lives. He gave us this word so we could live at the fact level. And so not only does He, he, will, he tell our spirit, this doesn't seem right, but then all of a sudden you'll be reading His word and go, yeah. That's not right. Or we'll remember something we read a couple days ago and go, oh, maybe that applies to the situation. God loves us. And the thing about God that's so wonderful and the thing about his word that's so wonderful is everything's not just put on the high top shelf and going, well, eventually when you're big, you'll understand these things. Remember that? You just wait till you're blank and then you'll know. So then that happens and they go, oh, you only have one child. You wait till you have a couple kids, and then you'll know. So then you have a couple kids, and they're like, oh, you wait till you have teenagers, and then you'll know. So then you have teenagers and say, we don't know anything either. No, no, it doesn't work that way. <coughs> but then it's like, well, you wait till they leave the nest, and then they leave the nest. Well, you wait till you retire, and then, you know, you know, there's always something, but God's word is not like that. He doesn't just place things up here. Everything is plain in here. If it's a little bit confusing, you need to ask him for help with that. I'm reading uh, the writings of a man from the 60s that was just a great Christian thinker. His name was A.W. Tozer, and A.W. Tozer had like a third grade education. 
And he wrote all of this stuff. And they said that he would kneel down and he would say, you know, God, you promise in your word that we can understand things, so you're going to have to explain it to me. You know? And I think that there is that sense that we need to know that God will give us the answers, especially in the emotive hard times when we feel attacked and we're emotionally stressed. God's word can be trusted in that moment. And take not the word of truth, and take not the word of truth uttered out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. You know what? That's what Satan wants to do, is all of a sudden that, that idea comes to mind, and we, we know it's the truth, and then he goes, I don't know. You really can't trust that. And he tries to steal it right out of our head, right out of our mouth. The psalmist knew that, and he says, God, when that thought gets into my head, make it stick. Because I need your help, and you can save me. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. God, encourage me. Let your word be an encouragement to me. Let how you act, let, let the history of how you treated others be an encouragement to me. If you don't read the Old Testament, you're missing some great stories about people that got to meet God, and God did some incredible things. And do you know what I see in that that is so encouraging to me? God is really patient. And God uses people that are messed up, which is an encouragement to me because I'm messed up. And I know most of you, and well, we're all in the same category. But encourage me. My soul longs for your salvation. Let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules help me. God, help me. What applies to my situation here? How how is this going to work itself out? God, you're not going to leave me in the dark. You don't have a code of silence with me. Your word speaks loud. Let me hear what it has to say. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I did not forget your commandments. I think that there are certain times that we just need to say, God, find me. I'm a little bit lost. I know what the truth is. And I, I talk to people like this every once in a while. You've met them before. Yeah, I used to go to church. Used to be involved in a Bible study, but I don't anymore. Oh God, find that person. Help them remember the living truth that you gave them. Find them. God might be wanting to find you today. Maybe for the first time you're going to find him. Uh, I love, she used to live here. She was a waiter during the 1980 limits. Her name is Cheryl, and she's a good friend of mine. And I love her quote. She says, I went looking for God and found out that he wasn't lost. I was. God wants to find you. He wants to be there for you. Last Sunday after church, a couple of my loving friends came to me and explained to me that I got a couple things wrong. It broke my heart. 
One of my friends that loves the environment said my illustration saying that people cared about the whales but they didn't care about babies was wrong. And he was right. Because we're supposed to care about both of those things, aren't we? God called us to be the stewards of the environment and also the stewards of life. And so he wasn't saying, hey, don't talk about abortion. He was saying, hey, don't make every environmentalist anti-life. Because both issues are important. Another one of my friends came up to me and said, Jim, you didn't challenge us enough to use God's word as the litmus for who we choose as a candidate. That's not going to be an easy thing to do. But God's word is clear, and he says that he will help us and he will give us wisdom and understanding. And so I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I'm going to tell you to get on your knees with the word of God and say, who will stand with the things that are important to you? And I think it will make it much easier for you. Because we're not standing with a person. We're standing with what's important to the principles of God's word. And in that, you should be able to chapter and verse what you're going to do on election day. People of the word should be able to do that. The convictions of your heart should line up. And you should be able to do that. The world is being incredibly critical of the Christian faith. Part of it we deserve because we are messed up. We are hypocrites at times. We're not getting it all right. But see, when you don't understand there's a sin problem, you're not going to understand that everybody sins. And so you're going to be surprised by sin. You're going to make these crazy statements. Have you heard these statements? Sin somehow affects people in the world. And they make this statement, Never again will we let this happen in our country. Have you heard that one lately? Because somebody sinned, we're going to take away all your freedoms. But God isn't calling us to be just people that love a country that has principles based on this book. God is calling us to be people of the book. That is the most important thing. And here's my concern for all of us. We've decided that the word of God is the golden corral. And we choose certain things in it because we like those things and they're easy for us and we ignore other things because they don't look as fun you know when I go to the Golden Corral I don't think let's eat healthy don't think that and I think sometimes when we go to God's word we think that let's not think spiritually healthy we need to start thinking about what we're overlooking. 
Listen to this, people. God, when he lets sexual sin, usually also includes slander and malice and sins of the mouth. Sometimes he'll include overeating. Other times he'll include poor leadership. He doesn't just pick on one area of sin, but we've decided that certain are felonies and certain are misdemeanors, and God's word is not like that. And it hasn't changed. Just because our society is more progressive, God is still old-fashioned. Praise him. Praise him forever on that one. I am so glad that the word of God doesn't change because I need an anchor. And you need an anchor. And so I like what Lori said. We don't want to be Republican or Democrat. We don't even want to be independent. We want to be a part of the dependent party. And the thing that we want to be dependent on is the truth of God's word. Let's pray. God, forgive us for the sin and the disregard from your word that we sometimes allow us to have. Forgive us for the gap in our sanctification because we're so comfortable in being saved that we sometimes forget to act sanctified. And God, help us to not neglect your word, but to fall more deeply in love with it. Show us how we could write a song with 26 verses that explain the word of God in our own alphabet. God, it has great benefit. God, it is solid and dependable. God, it is there for us. And so I don't know which words we need today but i do know that we need your word and so god continue the process of revealing yourself through your word as we seek you and to seek to be people of the book we pray this in your name amen i'm really glad that you were here today um, I don't know when we're going to do it, but we are going to have another Bible reading in the next four weeks. And we're going to read First and Second Peter, and it's going to be great. Um, I am contacting Bruce because it was really good to hear God's people pray together and see if he will host another prayer gathering as we continue towards the election and beyond to be people that are praying for our country and the needs that are around us. And as God leads you, we need your help around here once in a while, okay? There's some projects, and the project people are busy. And so we need some more help. So if God is calling you to be a little bit helpful, that would be appreciated. But let's be people of the book. May this be the lamp of our lives, the thing that guides us the most quoted thing about us. 
is the things that God tells us in his word. And praise God that he revealed himself to each one of us. May you be known every day as people of the book. God bless you. Have a great day.